everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of the show, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod. On Twitter at Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is march4th.podbean.com. The link tree to all my stuff is in the podcast description. Y'all made it here, so you found me somehow. And I greatly appreciate you guys hopping aboard the podcast for another episode. Um, in all seriousness, man, it's been a fun start to the year. It's crazy to think that we're already halfway through 2022, but it's been great to give you guys. A lot of content from different ends of the musical spectrum. Having the opportunity to be featured in the Nashville Voyager was really cool. So thank you again to the Nashville Voyager for featuring me and doing a, a Q&A with me about my life and this podcast and the journey that I'm on with this podcast. And again, thank you to everybody who listens and supports the show. It really means a lot. It's been really cool to see this thing growing incrementally since I got back into it during the pandemic, really full tilt. And since last year, last summer, I've consistently been doing three episodes a month. Eventually, I'd like to get it to weekly. But right now, with my life and my schedule and where the show is, I can do three a month. And it's just been uh, it's been cool to see it build little by little, man. So I, I mean it when I say thank you to everybody who listens to the show, who tells a friend to tell a friend, people who like, subscribe, share the clips of the episode or share the episodes themselves with each other like I really appreciate it, man. And uh, again, I hate begging for likes and subs, but if you would be so kind, if you enjoy the podcast, take the time to like and subscribe, follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple, it's on iHeart, Amazon Music, you can tell Alexa to play the podcast and she'll play the podcast. It's crazy. We are living in the matrix, but, uh, but yeah, man, if you take the time to do all that stuff, I know on Apple and Spotify, you can leave a rating for the show. And on Apple, you can actually uh, type in a review. And when you do that, it helps the show rank higher, which ultimately gets the conversations out to more people, which ultimately inspires more people to persevere and move forward, which is the theme of this podcast. So that's what I'm trying to do in my little corner of the world, man, is spread positive vibes and uh, have, a, have a positive ripple effect with the time that I have on this plane, man. And uh, speaking of positive ripple effects... I'm really excited about this week's guest, and I'm excited about all of my guests, but any time that I get to feature somebody on this podcast who's from my hometown and doing their thing, it really is, it gives it a little extra special, you know, it's like that special sauce, you know what I mean? It just really makes the sandwich, but uh, I don't know what analogy I was going for there. Um, chalk it up to the crazy heat wave we've been having down here in the south right now. You can probably hear my air conditioning going in the background. And normally I turn it off when I record the intro and close, but I'm not gonna because in 10 minutes that it takes me to do these, it is going to go up to like 80 in here and then I'm just going to spend more money and I don't want to do that. So anyway, but uh, anytime I get somebody on here from my hometown of Toledo, Ohio, or even the Midwest, it really does give a little bit of extra oomph you know, to the show for me, because it's just cool to feature people who are doing cool things from the part of the country that I'm from in the United States, because we obviously have people listening from other countries on the show. But uh, it just means a little little something extra to me. And this week's guest is a guy who I went to high school with. He's a tattoo artist. He sings and plays guitar in the death metal band Mutilatred. He is none other than Pat McDonough. And Pat's a cool dude, man. Uh, We went to high school 
Central Catholic in Toledo, Ohio together. Graduated back in 06, which is crazy because it's like half my life ago now at this point. But uh, Pat, I had a couple of classes with him over the years at Central, and he was just always a down-to-earth, nice dude, and very artistic, um, you know, somebody that could really draw. And I've probably mentioned it on this show before. If I haven't mentioned it in an intro or close, I've definitely mentioned it in interviews with people. But drawing was actually my first love when I was a kid. That was the first thing that really grabbed me. It was something that I, I you know, naturally gravitated to and enjoyed doing. Um, took some art classes at the Toledo Museum of Art, which is a great art museum in Toledo, Ohio. Not just saying that because it's where I'm from. Like, it really is very cool. And uh, took took some art classes there. I think I was in second grade, so we're talking like 96, which is, again, crazy, 26 years ago. I'm getting old, guys. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I've, I really love drawing, and I, and I didn't stick with it. Um, I guess like a lot of things in my life, I meandered and picked up things, put things down. Anyway, I shouldn't be too hard on myself. But I say all that relating to Pat that uh, we had a really good, and we talk about it on the show, so I won't give too much away, but we had a really good art department at uh, the high school that we went to. And there were kids in, in my grade, Pat included, who were really good artists, you know, and, and Pat, I just remember his drawing being really exceptional even back then. And in addition to that, as I mentioned, Pat plays in the death metal band Mutilatred out of my hometown, our hometown of Toledo, Ohio, and they just released their latest record, Determined to Rot, on May 13th via Redefining Darkness Records. But music was also something that played a huge role in his life as well. So when I moved away from Toledo, um, I, I've I've continued to keep up on the music scene there, even though I, I live in the Nashville area and have since 2015. And from a distance, it, it was just really cool to see things growing with Mutilatred, to see the 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 tattoo work that that Pat turned his his passion for drawing for that he turned it into as a tattoo artist at Lake Erie Studio in Toledo, Ohio. And f- like I said, from a distance, it was just really cool to see him turn his passions into a career, you know, as a tattoo artist at Lake Erie Studio, as a musician with Mutilatred. Uh, they've gotten to do some really cool touring, which you guys will hear about on this show. So uh, when I saw they had a new record coming out, which I love, by the way. I know death metal isn't everybody's vibe. I know metal isn't everybody's vibe. So if you're somebody who doesn't have an ear for for metal, you're definitely <laughs> not going to have an ear for death metal. But I enjoy heavy music. It's always been a form of therapy for me. It's a positive release and negative emotion. And so, yeah, so it's been really cool to to see from a distance things growing with Mutilatred and see all the love that Lake Erie Studios getting shown and um, just continuing to see pat's really uh awesome art you know stamped forever on people on their bodies man like it's it's insane so i was like man it'd be really cool to get pat on the podcast if he's interested it's been years since i've seen him i i remember running into him when i used to work at this store called the andersons and uh i like i said i moved to national in 2015 so that was probably a good seven years ago now at least uh the last time i saw him and it was just kind of um, you know, a couple of minutes where he was at the paint counter when I used to work in the the uh, the paint department there, and I think he was getting some primer or something. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, I, I just um, I've always been a fan of his his talent as far as an artist and a musician, and more importantly, just a down to earth good dude. You know, even in high school, he was always somebody who was very kind and funny 
and just just good people you know so when you meet good people um you like to try to you know shine a light on what they're doing so that's uh that's why i wanted to get them on the podcast so without further ado i'm gonna show my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with pat mcdonough of lake erie studio and mutilatred here it is I uh, I ranted a lot before we actually hit record, man. But in all seriousness, I really appreciate you doing this, man. It's good to see you. Uh, for people who don't know, we went to high school together. We're both from Toledo, Ohio, and uh, you're just a really creative dude. Uh, you were always friendly when we would run into each other in high school. We I think we had maybe a, a couple of classes together over the years, but uh, yeah. but yeah, when I saw that Mutilatred had a new record coming out, uh, I've kind of followed things from a distance living in Nashville. And I was just like, gosh, it would be really cool to get Pat on here. So thank you so much for yeah. joining the show, man. No problem. So where I wanted to start with you is um, one thing about Central that I really appreciated while we were in school there was they had a really good art department. I felt like, you know, Mr. Wilson, yeah. Miss Barkevich, uh, I think Mrs. Hudson, if I remember correctly, she did like photography and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and in our class particular, um, we had some really good artists and you were one of them. I remember Chris Desau was 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 also really big in the art department, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other girls whose names are escaping me now, but we had some like really talented artists. And uh, I just remember getting to Central and I, I like I said, I don't remember at what point maybe sophomore year or something, we had a class or two together and talking about music and art and stuff. And I just thought, oh, that's cool. Because when I was a kid, drawing was like my first love. Um, didn't take it to where you are. And I'm nowhere near uh, the, the artist that you are, man. But uh, but yeah, let's just start there. Like, how how old were you when you really started to pick that up? Like, is anybody in your family artistic? Or was it just something uh, that, as a kid that you were just naturally drawn to? So no one well no one in my family was artistic in like fine arts like drawing and painting but uh my dad did he did he did construction for most of his life i even got to work with him a lot too but he also he did like all aspects of construction including uh designing whatever he was going to make or build and do the blueprints and all that stuff so that's a whole lot of drawing in a way but more measuring and whatnot but a lot a lot of it a lot of work and that's the only thing that got closest to, I guess you could say, drawing um, when I was younger. And uh, I started, well, I was, I was drawing like here and there in, in grade school and whatnot. But that was just when I was in school. Uh, I remember like the entire summers I wouldn't draw because I uh, <laughs> outside the whole time. It wasn't like as important until I got to uh, high school. And then even later in high school is when it got, or when I got more serious, um, definitely like late high school. And then when I really got serious was into college, you know, in like a, maybe like a year into college. Cause I went for drawing. Yeah. Cause I, I can't remember if I ever bumped into you at Toledo, but, um, I was reading up cause you've gotten some local press back home over the years, man. Uh, cause you're really, <laughs> yeah. what you do, but, uh, is it Diana, uh, Diana Atty? Am I saying her last name right? Yeah, Addy. Yeah, Addy. yeah. Diana Addy. So, yes, yep. you get to Toledo, and I was curious about that as far as 
the art program at Toledo because I went there for communication. And then like once you got into your core classes, you could you could decide, okay, I want to do like broadcasting and radio or print journalism. So at Toledo in the art department, you could do drawing as like a specific focus. Yeah. Um, but to sum it up really quick, like Diana ex- explained how, like when she, she taught for 51 years and she said when she first started teaching, drawing was much more like focused and the classes were way longer and way more in depth. Uh, well, I couldn't, I guess I couldn't say more in depth, just longer, like more to a class, uh, time-wise. <laughs> and over the years, they kept shortening it and shortening it till, I mean, the classes were still kind of long, but it wasn't as long as she said it was, you know, a long time ago. Uh, so anyway, um, you could major in drawing, but they would do what's called a, uh, I'm forgetting the name here, so that you had enough credits, you do an independent study to like finish off your credits when you're towards your last year, or last few years. Uh, so for that, instead of doing my independent study, like working by myself, I chose to just work with Diana in her class, like taking her class over and over and over again, uh, three times. Cause that was, uh, the hardest class I took. I got the most out of it by far. And she really helped me learn everything I know about drawing through that class and through just hanging out and always drawing there in the studio. Yeah, because for, for people who, who you know, there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this who are familiar with your art, but for people listening that aren't familiar with your art, like you're really good at like, I don't know if hyper-realism is the correct term, but just like realistic uh, depictions and, um, you know, even reading up on you. And I kind of remember you even like in high school, I remember some of the stuff that, you know, they would do like the, you'd see the art that they would showcase in the art department stuff. I would be like, damn, like that stuff look, like, looks real. Um, but yeah, you like, thanks. you like stuff from like the, the Renaissance period in that era, like those types yeah. of sculpture statuesque type of. Um, yeah. And the Baroque period too. That's even, I mean, may, maybe even more of my favorite, but okay. So I wouldn't call it like, I guess, hyper-realism. Um, Cause that's actually a, a genre in its, in its own, you know, but, but uh um, I definitely like focusing on anatomy and the way that the old masters worked in, in those techniques, which are, they're really nothing new. They're pretty old and they're handed down and stuff. And I think that's really cool. And that's what I learned from Diana big time. What, the, the main thing she focused on was anatomy. Uh, and then and we, we focused on drawing techniques too, but she really focused on anatomy. And then you would learn drawing through that. So you'd have to learn the, the whole body. The first, first part of the semester would be just the skeleton and learning like all the bones and all the insertions and origins of uh, muscles and the bone landmarks. And then you'd start with the muscles. Uh, we started with the armpit because that's like kind of a anatomical center of at least in the torso. And we'd go on from there. Well, it was really extensive and really hard. Yeah, that's, that's really cool to hear because, you know, I mean, obviously when, when I, I, I've always had an appreciation, like I said, for drawing, just cause I, I loved it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you said before we recorded, you took classes at Toledo museum of art as well when you were younger. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I've, I've always appreciated the realistic stuff, but I didn't realize that, you know, if you go to school for art, I mean, it makes sense. Right. But I didn't realize that you, you'd actually have to study the anatomy like that that's pretty intense man sure and okay i say this all the time and i love all the teachers i had and whatnot 
you know, you, you, it's like, you know, learning is like just putting blocks together and like seeing how far you can go. But, um, I really learned everything I know from Diana or not. I mean, the, the most of like the specific stuff I know is from her. So, you know, I, like I said, I appreciate all the teachers I had, but man, she really showed me everything I know about drawing. It's almost like when I got to that class, that's when I really started learning drawing. And, and beforehand, you know, you learn some stuff here and there and, and, you, and you, you practice that, but not many people like her really get you out of your bad habits and say, no, wait, you have to start differently and start this way. And not even telling you the exact way to start. She give you like many different options of how to do something, but she just show you the right steps to take. And that's all drawing is too. And, and painting and everything is, is doing the right steps. And another great analogy is you would never build a house starting with a roof, right? You would always start with the foundation, then the walls, and then get your roof going. So if you started drawing, jumping to detail like the eyes or the lips or something like that like super detail right off the bat the rest of it's going to be really hard to follow if you start off with this a general structure and then get to the detail later that's where you start and no one really explained that to me until i got to her class so that's a little little fact if anyone draws start do not start with the detail first i yeah i think that's great advice man um because that's what I was going to ask you, like, what were some of your bad habits going in? Because I, I feel like you had a lot of, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you had a lot of natural ability because I feel like, I don't know, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like some people can draw uh, and, and some people can learn to draw. But I, I, I'm not going to say it's something you either have or you don't. But, you know, like I, I remember when I would do stuff, even as a kid, people in class would be like, oh, my God, I could only do stick figures. And then you like try to show them stuff. You know what I mean? But like what were some of your bad habits like when you got to college where she made you go like, Hey Pat, no, you got to do it. You got to do it this way. Cause I feel like, and I'm not just saying that's like part of your bread. Cause you're on the podcast, but I feel like yeah. going into the college, you had a lot of natural ability, at least just from my novice level understanding of art, you know, sure. the, the only like ability from that, like anyone can get, uh, or that I got, I guess is, is, um, I, and most people think this too, maybe even their whole career, but I used to think everything was just, uh, you're trying to go after copying what's there. If it's like a photo, make it just like the photograph, you know, but that's a, that's a, not a good way to look at it. You want to look at it as you're not just copying what's there. You're trying to recreate what's there and sort of from the inside out, this, the skeleton, the muscles and all that stuff. So you know, what's happening in all aspects of what you're looking at. If it's a person or whatever you're looking at, it's still life or whatever, and you want to recreate it and really know the ins and outs of, of, of all of it. Then you're really making some good art or you're starting to, at least if you're just looking at copying something, I mean, a camera and a printer do that. So you don't really need to exactly copy something. Um, that was the first like overall concept that she told me. And some of my bad habits too, like I said, we're just trying to copy something, uh, looking at exactly what was happening, really only looking on the surface starting with detail right off the bat and not, and not working the overall, um, uh, structure, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Cause I had, I had all the bad habits that anyone could have, even if it looked like I was, you know, pulling off some drawings and yeah, sure. I drew, I drew all the time. Another thing about that is too, if you work hard enough at just copying, you're going to get there a little bit, but you need the next push of how, of having someone guide you, whether it's a book, the internet, a person like Diana, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, just really learning after someone who knows it better than you, that, that will help you out. Um, let me go backwards here. So my bad habits. Okay. I was just, 
trying to get good at copying stuff, not thinking about much else. Um, and that's what a lot of people do. Uh, if you're trying to draw realistic, um, another bad habit is that's why I grabbed this. You know, I would draw right off the bat way up here like this, like you're, like you're writing or signing a check or anything like that. And you want to draw way towards the back of the pencil and maybe even hold it like this when you start off. Another thing is too, everyone wants to draw sitting down like this. You're, you're so planted that that's really hard. It's better to have an easel, have the drawing in front of you, whether you're sitting or standing, standing is better and draw like this um, keeps you more free. You move your arm better. Those are just some like little, little guidelines that are classic information. I mean, that's just, you know, uh, it's uh, old information and, um, and it's really helpful. And then I'm trying to think of what else here. Um, I mean, I can go into this forever, so I don't want to do that. Um, and but those are listening, sorry to jump in, but for people listening, Pat's holding the pencil like towards the back, not at the top. Yeah. You yeah. know, but yeah, if you're not, yeah, if you're listening, usually people draw towards the beginning of the pencil that sure that's fine on the ending of your drawing. When you're trying to do some nice detail, you want to draw kind of loose like this. That's why another thing too is, is yeah, anyone can learn how to draw. And, and draw really well. I've seen it happen in Diana's classes. That's why, you know, she was such an important and good teacher. She, it doesn't matter what level you started at. It was almost better if you started at an earlier level and she'd show you all the good things to do. And all of a sudden she'd take someone who, who was just, you know, a beginner and, and they would be really good after just a couple months. And I, I saw it happen over and over and over again. And a lot of people have said, I can never draw. I'm just taking this class because it sounded like a fun elective. And somehow they got to that class, you know, in, uh, and it worked. It worked. So even in high school, as you were drawing and stuff, you said it wasn't really till later in high school that you took it seriously. So, yeah, you- I mean, I, I drew. I just didn't. I never took it serious in the way I, I just always thought. This is another thing, too. I always thought, oh, drawing just for fun. You know, um, maybe people make a career out of it, but I don't know if I could. I always doubted myself. And, and that kept me from taking it too serious which is not good. Uh, I should have just uh, jumped right in and been more, you know, if I'm looking back, I should have been more serious earlier on, but, but who cares? I, I figured it out eventually, you know, especially yeah. hanging out with the right people, like my teachers, like mainly Diana and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it's never too late either to get really serious at anything, not just drawing uh, anything. If you think you can't do it and, 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 you know, you have to have a job and all that stuff, you can, you know, start off anything with a hobby and make it grow into something that's more serious and, and more of a career. Yeah. I think that's good advice, man, especially with like the, the theme of the show being perseverance and moving forward, because I think a lot of creative people, um, you know, myself included, obviously in a different way, but with like podcasting and stuff, like you, you think of things like, ah, you know, like, you know, and it's funny. Cause when I got back into this, man, like there, there were, uh, more than, you know, I wouldn't say numerous, but I would say a handful, you know, people go, Oh, are you, you know, do you make any money doing that? Do you, I'm like, I, you know, this is just something that I, that right now that I do because I, I love to do it. I love connecting with people. And I, mm. my goal is that the conversations for whoever listens to it inspires them, you know, like if somebody yeah. this and, you know, it inspires yep. them to pick up the pencil or, or paint yeah. or, or play music, you know what I mean? But it's like you said, it's, I, I think, um, there was a great, and I do this a lot, man. I take a lot of asides, but Jim Carrey got like an honorary degree. And I remember he said something very like poignant in that, where he was saying a lot of people make decisions um, 
uh, based in fear, but disguised in practicality. And he was talking about how his dad was really funny and he could have been a great oh, yeah. comedian. But I, I watched the same thing. Yeah, I think it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome, man, because he was just, um, it really hit home with me that it's like, you know, if you do the things that you love to do, eventually you'll get where you're supposed to be. You uh, know what I mean? I, I would say that too. It's so true. If you just focus on something and and, and work really hard at it, and help others out with it too. It'll eventually catch on and, and work out for you. Uh, and it might be harder than it depends on what you're in, what, what, you know, what you're doing. Some things are harder than others, but, uh, it's true. It's very true. Yeah. in a parallel with this man, and thanks again so much for doing this, dude. It's, uh, it's really awesome learning more about this. Cause it's, it's, uh, it's been a long time, man, but, um, music has always been, uh, at least from even in high school, like I remember being in, uh, I think it was coach Derv's class. It was a math class. And, um, and you were kind of smiling because I, I still remember this. I it was like right at the beginning of class and she, she kind of had that tone. She talked like this, Hey, sugar. She would say that instead of swearing. And yeah, like Pat, I had a girl in here earlier today who told me she woke up listening to you screaming. She was, and she said something like, are you in a band? Or she's like, she will oh, hear your voice like screaming or whatever. And I didn't even know that you did like really, you know, heavy, like, you know, um, death metal type music. And then um, all these years later, like I said, um, from a distance, keeping up with the music scene and stuff, I'm like, yo, Pat's in Mutilatred, like, you know, mm. playing really heavy riffs and doing like death metal vocals and stuff. And I'm like, this is friggin' awesome. Cause I've, I've always been drawn to the guitar um, I okay. have one. I don't tell people I play it because I, I just noodle in my bedroom and there's uh, legit musicians yeah. in Nashville. Everybody, I, I say it like on every show, people are probably like, dude, enough. We know you suck at guitar. Um, but yeah, so when did the music uh, bug bite you, man? Because uh, I remember oh, that even back in the day. Since before I was even drawing, that's for sure. I mean, I well, I guess the same time, like when I was really young, I was drawing for just about ever but I, like i said I took it serious later in life yeah. uh, i was playing music for uh, since i was like eight or so um and taking lessons on and off my uncle who is a great teacher for over 45 years he's retired now but he was a, a college professor and and i started off learning a lot from him over the years and it was on and off because i would get discouraged and quit that's funny too so you know i started both these things music and drawing earlier and then started doing drawing more serious like you know a little bit later started doing music a little bit more serious a little bit later than that even uh and that and i mean more of like learning it like the jazz and blues stuff that i've been playing which i i love playing that stuff uh and i'm still just a huge beginner in that i feel like i always will be but with metal i've been playing that the longest out of uh anything music wise uh since like the end later half of grade school when I had an amp and my friends had part of a drum set and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I love doing that. It's funny. This, you talk about music more in here. We talked about drawing so much. Now we finally talk about uh, music, <laughs> uh, which I love both things. But anyway, uh, yeah, long time been playing guitar for the most of that. Um, but it's funny. I, uh, you know, I know an okay amount on guitar, uh, I'm not spectacular or anything. I can play all of our metal riffs, obviously. Um, but I really started learning a lot more music theory and taking it much more serious. Uh, probably in my like mid to late 20s, 
So I've been doing that for about what, like seven years now or something like that. And I started on uh, piano because I always wanted to play piano when I was younger. I actually even took uh, piano classes at, at, at uh, in high school a long time ago. Um, and then I never really pursued it after that. And then one day I was like, uh, why am I not playing piano? I don't know why I'm not doing this. So I just started. I got a piano off Craigslist for a couple hundred bucks, started on that. Now I have way too many keyboards, and uh, <laughs> but I love playing them. And that stuff's fun, too. Another thing, start. You say, if you're, if you're struggling on guitar, you know, just start. I, I know a great guy who could, who's a great teacher I could tell you about online. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, you know, Andy Langston was a dude, uh, you know, from, from yeah, that, uh, you know, we still keep in touch. And he was always very encouraging. He, he came up when I, because I, I first got it when I was 19, my first guitar. Uh, yeah. And um, I remember I was taking lessons with uh, Chuck Stoll, who was in Damien back in the day, um, over oh. at Peeler Music, um, which I don't, oh. is Peeler even around anymore? I don't know. There's a music store there, but it's not, it's not Peeler, unfortunately, but it, it's like, the, you know, there's still a music store there, I believe. Yeah. So I, I took, le- I took some lessons with him um, and he was great. Like he was super nice, but I mean, he's like an amazing shredder, you know, and I wasn't musically inclined at all. I just always loved metal. And I want to get into that with you too, like the heavy music. Cause I feel like every time I like heavy music people, it's like, um, the spider-man meme like you meet people and you're like oh you're you're one of us you know what i mean um but yeah so he was cool but it it wasn't until i i started to to learn riffs you know i can't even i don't even remember the first riff i learned i think i tried to learn uh like enter sandman from metallica or something maybe and i remember that was one thing andy was really encouraging about because i almost took it like back to the store and benny kuzno used to work there and I bought it when he worked there. And I think he answered the phone. I called back. I was like, yo, if I return my amp and my guitar, like, am I going to get like my money back? And Andy was the guy that really got me to stick with it. Cause I was so bad in the beginning. Like I, I probably wouldn't even classify as a novice now, but it's fun. It's, it's just like a therapeutic release. But um, my oldest brother is six years older. And so he's 40 now. So in the mid nineties, dude, it was, uh, you know, Metallica, Corn, Guns N' Roses, you know, grunge, all that stuff. And so I wanted to be like him. And I looked up to him because he's like my my oldest brother, you know what I mean? But then I found that heavy music spoke to me the most. And to this day, I mean, even though I venture into I love post rock and ambient mm-hmm. music stuff that's like cinematic y. Um, Hammock is from Nashville. They have really cool cinematic y, like ethereal instrumental music. I love that stuff too. Um, yeah but I love heavy stuff. So, so for you, like, how did you, um, how did you get, like, what was the heavy music bug that bit you? Oh man. Oh my, I have a funny story about that, that I've said a few times to people. So when I was, uh, pretty young, like, I guess judging by the years here, probably about six or seven or so I was messing around in the garage with my bike um and i and and the radio was always out in the garage and it was like 1047 or something like that you know some normal like rock and roll stuff and they played um a white zombie song and i remember like waiting for the commercial so i could hear who played it when they like told who plays stuff so i heard that name i was like white zombie okay and i saw there's two things it was that and then there was the first ace ventura has cannibal corpse in it so i saw that and um i have a cannibal corpse ticket sitting right there I, i love this man so so I saw that when I was a kid and I was like, what the heck is this? You know, I, I, I didn't even know about it. And then I heard the white zombie thing 
and um, I, I had to, I had to get it somehow. So I knew my uncle who was like the youngest one of the family. I have a lot of aunts and uncles. He had always a bunch of tapes. Like that's how old this was like, like uh, cassette tapes. And he had Metallica and um, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and stuff like that. So I said, he said, he was like, Hey, I'm going to the store, you know, Meyer, do you, do you need anything? And I said, he has asked my mom and I said, a tape, I want to get a tape. And he's like, Oh, what, Oh, what, what tape do you want? I said, white zombie. He goes, okay. He might not even have known exactly what it was. And he gets the tape and it's kind of like a colorful front to it. And they're on it. It looks like it's not too dangerous. You know, the, it's, it's just colorful. It looks, you know, so he's like, here you go. And I listened to it. And I remember listening to it on one of those boom boxes that had a, it was a kid one. And it had like a, like a, a, a darn like microphone that was fake on it. That's how young I was. So I was listening to this stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And, um, and then eventually, long story short, one of my old babysitters <laughs> found out that, like, that I was listening to that, told my parents they took it. Uh, lucky me, I copied the tape thinking real smart on a boombox they had you know, so I still had a copy of it. And that was it. That was when I was really young. So that's when I found out about metal. Then when I was in like grade school, I somehow met some people that didn't go to my school who were really into metal too. And they're telling me about, you know, bands and trading CDs at the time. And, uh, and then right then and there, I just had to get a guitar. Another story, my favorite guitar that I still use to this day. Um, I have three of them because I like them so much. It's a DRMAN seven string. And uh, they were made in Toledo a long time ago. Not mine, but that's where the company started. Got it from Durdell's, the guitar shop I was going to. And it's a seven string. I liked it because it was metal. And also, I found out they used that in blues and jazz, which I liked back then, too. So I was like, yeah, I can't go wrong. I got to get the seven string. I uh, got it. And then I found out through like MTV and stuff, that they're really popular and, you know, more of like the new metal scene and stuff. And I was like, wow, huh, that's cool. Uh, that's that's sweet. And, uh, and now all these years later, I still love that guitar. I still play that. It's like my favorite one ever is, is so solid. It does not go out of tune. We, we play really hard at our shows and I'll check the tuning like halfway through. It's still good. Check the tuning at the end. It's still good. I'm like shocked. So, so you still have your first guitar. Yeah. So my first guitar, this, another funny, I, I have so many funny stories here. Uh, first guitar bought it at Durdell's. Um, when I was in like fourth grade, saved up like money from cutting grass and stuff like that. Get this guitar, taking lessons there. I can't believe I got a seven string before that. I was borrowing one of my cousin's guitars. I didn't have one. So I finally get this one. It was like 400 bucks. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I had it for a few years, you know, and once I get to be like a freshman or whatever at uh, central, I was going to take music lessons at UT. Maybe as a sophomore by this point, cause I could drive. And uh i got that hookup from my uncle great guitar player diff different guy taking music lessons from him at ut and my guitar got stolen out of the parking lot at uh central oh so man. I'm, I'm pissed i'm just like oh my gosh this sucks i love that guitar so i go back to the guitar store and they have the same one they had two it, so you know i got it fourth grade what five six years later they still had one no one bought it so i got that one and that's the one i still have I still have that one. And then I found two more online. I almost shouldn't have said what they are. <laughs> I don't want them to fly offline. They're, they're hard as heck to find. They haven't made them in 25 years, but I'm kidding. They're amazing. They're diamonds. But uh, I, I found two online. Um, recently, I just found one up in Canada. Got that one. They're still relatively inexpensive. Um, they're nothing too 
too crazy or anything. I just really like how they play a lot. And uh, they're not for everyone. I've had a lot of people play and they're like, oh, you like this? I'm like, yeah, solid as hell. It's, it's great. D'Armond, so, yeah. So I don't know if, I, if I'm even aware of them. Now Now you're going to make me want to do some research. That's really cool that they've started in Toledo, man. Some of their stuff is very valuable. Some like like crazy value, like like a lot, a lot. So but that's more like reverberation and stuff. It's like several thousand dollars because it's just so yeah. hard to find. They haven't been a company in a long time. I think Fender bought them a long time ago, kept them going for a little while. That's probably when mine was made. Uh, it was made overseas. It was nothing, for, you know, it wasn't like a original Gibson or anything like that. You know, it wasn't uh, anything too flashy. Like a lot of my friends have really, really, really nice guitars. And then here I am with this couple hundred dollar guitar nowadays. And uh, I love it. Uh, and I've even, I, I've had some friends play it that are just like, wow, that's a nice guitar. I'm like, I know it's like the secret, secret weapon, nice guitar. That's so cool, though, because I think even uh, James Hetfield, I remember listening to a story where he has that very famous, like, white flying V, and I think it's like a Gibson knockoff. It's not even an actual, like, from way back in the day, like, when they started out with Kill em All, I think he said it was mm-hmm. like a, you know, a, a, like a variant or whatever. It, was, it wasn't even original, but he loved the way it played so much. So, and I think a lot of that is is the thing, too, like, you know, you hear sometimes different interviews and guitarists talk about so much of it's about like, you know, obviously there's Nam and there's all the the pedals and that kind of stuff. But I, I, I've heard of more than one interviewer players talk about, it's all just the feel of the player. You know, you could have two different people play the same guitar and it's, it's all from your fingers and in, in your head. You know what I mean? So I think that that kind of rings true with what you're saying. Like you don't need to have like a, you know, $10,000, you know, custom guitar, like if you practice and you play and it and the feel works for you and what you do, then that's really mm-hmm. most important thing, you know? Absolutely. Yep. So this, the really, it, it's hilarious that you mentioned the Ace Ventura thing, because I'm not even lying to you, man. I, I was listening to Mutilatred earlier today and it, and I just started thinking um, because I was like, when you said Ace Ventura, it just made me laugh. Cause I, I actually was thinking about that scene. Cause I'm like, all right, I, I, I know Pat is into death metal plays really heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, and I automatically went to that scene in Ace Ventura where he, he walks into the cannibal corpse show and he's doing like that weird shimmy mm-hmm. dance. And we went yeah. and both of us went to Catholic school. My first CD was a Metallica until it sleeps EP. Cause that was their big song in 96 when load came out that, and I didn't realize until wow. I was older that's when people like freaked out because they cut their hair. And after the black album, that was like the first one that was more like mainstream hard rock. They moved away from thrash, but I love yeah. till it sleeps because that music video was like this weird, like heaven and hell. James Hetfield's like rubbing dirt on himself and stuff. But <laughs> um, I still remember all that, but I got, I got that CD at CD warehouse and. Oh yeah. And then we came home and I put it in the, uh, the family entertainment center in the living room and that was back when like CDs were making money, you know, so the bands would put out the EP with whatever the single was. That's the record companies were just making money hand over fist. So I, you know, I was nine. So all I saw was Metallica until it sleeps. I didn't know any of their album names. I'm like, I'm getting that. And then like the second or third track was uh, James Hetfield, just MF in it to the crowd. And my mom was like, Oh honey, you got it. We got to take this back. So, so <laughs> To tie that into like my rant here, that's what I was thinking about today. I'm like, we both went to Catholic school. Like, I wonder if Pat's mom ever saw like, honey, what's this hammer smashed face? What are you listening yeah. to? You know? <laughs> yeah. so, 
So how, how cool were your parents with you going into more extreme music? Cause I mean, I, I'm always curious, like, just cause we went to Catholic high school doesn't necessarily you mean you they, grew up Catholic, but I'm curious. They didn't, they weren't extremely not about it. I mean, they weren't like, you know, if some, well, one of my babysitter presented it to him that this stuff was like evil and whatnot, then they're like, Oh geez. You know, but they're just like, oh, I guess we'll put it in this drawer that I knew where the drawer was. You know, it wasn't like they burn it. You know, um, it wasn't too crazy. And they always and my 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 parents are just typical older parents who didn't like that stuff and think it's uh, a racket and stuff like that. But they always thought it was cool that I was at least playing music and learning music. And I also did like, I've, I've always liked a wide variety of music and I like the most extreme types of metal. And I also happen to like jazz and blues and classic rock and, and hip hop and stuff like that. So I like a lot of different types of, of music, but, and I was always playing that, but they were halfway, you know, pretty supportive about uh, me playing, uh, especially when I was younger and still now they think it's pretty cool. They think it, sometimes they think, oh man, you're doing all this driving or, or it's almost like wasting time. But then I come back and I have cool stories of like how tour went and they're like, wow. And I'm like, you know, when else would I get to go to um, 16 cities in a row, you know, and, and have the day to go check out stuff. When else would I get to do that? You, you know, you really only get to do that if you're on a band on a, on a schedule where you get to get opportunities like that, which I feel super lucky for. So that's another thing. Persevering, <laughs> man, I played music for so long and uh for the longest time it was mostly just local and we would play anywhere but it was still local and then finally this band that we have mutilated it was uh the first time that we got lucky enough to get uh to go all around the country we haven't done the ex- far west coast but we've done most of the country other than that i mean we've done the east coast a lot and, and uh, tra- uh traveled a, a whole lot so that's really fun yeah, because I, I I was seeing the stuff um, long before um, getting you on here. Like I said, just just you know keeping tabs on you guys from a distance, and I'm like, oh, Pat's in Philly, Pat's in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? And and there's yeah. headbanging and stuff at the show. And I'm like, this is yeah. this is friggin' awesome, man. This is really cool. And, and some of the first tours were not that good. They were very fun, <laughs> and I'm so glad I got to do them. But some of our first tours were very completely set up by us you know which is tough i mean that was a pain in the ass that, that was so much calling and texting and emailing and stuff like that and having people be like what no we're not booking you and, and then finally getting a tour set up and then after doing a couple of tours especially playing in bigger cities like like new york uh um we finally got to play the top place or one of the top places there that for our type of music which is saint vitus took us a couple times to go in there they you know they they you know we didn't get booked there. We finally got booked there and it went really good, like really good. And and now we played there multiple times and, and uh, we keep setting up more connections the more we play. So now some of the later tours we've done are great. Uh, we're, we're really lucky for that. We did a tour with a band called Mortiscald. They've been around for like almost 30 years. They didn't play it for a while. Now they're a band again. So these guys are you know older and have been around the whole world. We got to tour with them. We got to tour with Black Eye Murder, who is a very well-known band. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with them right now. Their singer passed away. But anyway, we got lucky mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. They were around. We got to tour with them. And that was incredible. That was some of the best shows we've ever had. Oh, man, I can't tell you how just 
thankful and lucky I am to, to do those. That was, oh man, <laughs> it just blows my mind. It blows me away. I, I don't know. It's crazy. And then uh, we've had great tours with some of our closest friends like Livid and Inoculation and Sang. And uh, we got to tour with a band called Cruelty from Japan. This is their first time ever being in America. And their first few days here were with us going up and down the east coast that that you know it wasn't very long but that was a, that was a really fun one too um so the list goes on too because yeah. yeah now you guys have had uh and i want to touch back on the the black dahlia murder thing because i actually got a chance to see them it was the only time i saw them um back when uh i think i'm pronouncing his last name right cody grupp who is he's been in Detroit for a while now, but he used to be in Toledo with um, I think innovation concerts before he went to live nation, but he used to put on the Jamboree fest and it was yeah. probably like 2014 black Dahlia murder was headlining uh, like the second night or third night of that. They played at headline. Okay. Um, wow. And that was really cool, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, But yeah, man, um, just to touch on that real quick. Yeah. Trevor uh, Sternad passed away uh, really unexpectedly and um it's it's horrible man like it's just it's really it's really weird times that we're in and um i listen to the josta show have a ton of respect for jamie josta from hatebreed who's obviously always been somebody who's been a big champion for heavy music um but uh just talk to me a little bit about not to take things to a sad place but obviously like you said just the joy in your face people can't see it with the audio only but when you were talking about getting a chance to play with the Black Dahlia murder, like that is such a huge deal. Like for people who aren't aware, Toledo and Detroit, Detroit's like the attic. It's it's about an hour away up I-75 and Toledo does have a lot of rich music history, but to have, you know, a big name like that in in the heavy music scene and a really well-respected band and, and well-respected frontman and, and Trevor Sturdad, like I, I saw that he listed you guys um, in like his, his tracks for Metal Injection so I'm sure that was probably like a trip back, back in the day. You know what I mean? Like how, um, how did that come together? And just what was it like to get to tour with him and get to know him before his untimely passing, man? Like what are some, some fond memories you have of him and, and uh, Black Dahlia murder? Yeah. So um, my first time seeing them was in like 2002 at Frankie's with Premonitions of War. It was an amazing show. And, uh, and, uh, first time I actually think talked to Trevor was in maybe 2006 or so in Toledo again at uh, another show they played at Masonic temple. That was awesome. And then, and then their, the original guitar player, Brian, he's still in the band and, and, uh, him and Trevor always kept the band going, but anyway, so we would see them a good amount, you know, and, and, uh, when we were playing and when we were a new band back in 2014, maybe 13, but I think it was 14. We went and saw uh, Black Dahlia in Detroit as their hometown show. It was like sold out. I went with my friend, Matt, who he does a lot of like tour managing and, and guitar uh, teching and stuff like that and tours for bigger bands. So he knew their manager or something like that. And we got into the show and because it was sold out, we actually, we luckily got in and I brought, I love to do this. I brought uh, like a t-shirt of ours or a hoodie and a CD. And I wanted to give it to, uh, to Trevor. And, and you know, I knew him a little bit, but still, I didn't know him that good. I couldn't just walk up to their, you know, to their bus or whatever. So we, we, I, I, I talked to him afterwards, gave him the stuff. He was super nice about it. He's such a nice guy. And 
it, you know, and then it was probably still a few years till he saw us after that at a show. Uh, he went to one of our shows randomly in, in uh, Detroit and I was blown away by that. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Trevor's here. And, and, the, and, and, um, and then, and then he would go to a f- like shows like every so often when we played in Detroit, when he was back at home, cause he lived in New York for a while too um, recently. So uh, you know, we just got to know each other through that and, and got to know Brian and whatnot. And then just randomly, you know, we knew who they were. We, seen him a lot uh, they had randomly messaged us or their manager did i think or emailed us and said hey the guys want to do uh, uh bring you on a tour uh can you do these dates and we were like oh my gosh sure so that was really really cool and um and it's funny too a little side note too so there was a cannibal corpse show happening in toledo first time that they played in toledo that i would have ever got to go um first time in a long time let's say and we really wanted to play that we didn't get to play it or well we, we asked to play it they said no there's no locals blah blah, blah. We're like, okay fine so then we get asked by black diet tour we say yes oh my gosh yes so then Ken of says hey can you guys actually open that show and we say oh my gosh so when we're on tour with you know black diet so we didn't get to open that but still i wouldn't have traded for anything to play with black diet um first time i guess the first cool experience for that tour was we get there it was a crazy show we're used to playing normal small shows or you know smaller shows where we're loading our own gear and whatnot we get there there was like a like a management crew that was there to like help us load our gear to the place it was in the london ontario music hall it was like a pretty good sized place and um <clears throat> we get up we get in there we do the sound check which that's a nightmare that's a whole other story but um do the sound check they let, open up the doors, place got packed. We didn't know where to go. And we see their green room, which we're never around green rooms at that point. This is the first time we're ever around one. And they, Trevor popped out and was like, hey, you guys want to hang out in here? We said, yeah, sure. So we went in there and we just hung out be, right right next to the stage before the show for a little while. He was telling us some funny stories and stuff. And uh, um, we talked about playing jazz. He said that he thought that was really cool. And those were funny guys, though. They would always be joking around and stuff. And then we played the show. We put, that was our, that was our, uh, we were the opening band for that that tour, and um, trying to think here, Brian. Uh, one point in the green room of another show, pranked, kind of pranked, called uh, uh, rallies because he was just kind of trying to call to see if they had coffee. <laughs> had <to> be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. This positive guy. Uh, it's crazy that he's gone. He was really nice and positive, and helped out everyone, not just us. He helped out so many bands. You know, we were really lucky to tour with them, though, because it wasn't always their say of who got to tour with them. It was like up to the labels and stuff like that. So we were really lucky to somehow get in there and tour with them. And how many years ago was that now, Pat? Uh, I would guess about five or four, maybe 2018. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm sad to, 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 to hear of his passing. Um Cause I just remember the energy at that show at the Jamboree at headliners, which was, it was in the big room at headliners. Um, and it was just, it was like awesome. Like I was just like, Oh my God, these guys are so good. And that was the only time I saw them. Um, mm-hmm. Never got a chance to talk to him and, and all the, you know, interviews and stuff that I've done over the years. But like you said, from a distance, he always seemed like a really, like a, like a genuinely like fu- he seemed like a really funny dude. Like he had like a really good sense of humor, um, so I'm glad that 
you know, in, in y'all's time, you got a chance to, to get to know him and, and go on tour with him, man. It's, it's sad that he's gone, but, um, you know, I'm glad that he left behind, like, you know, a lot of great music and a lot of great memories for people, man. Yeah. Try to get Brian on here someday on your podcast. He's a really nice guy. I mean, just a incredible guitar player. I got to spend some time with him after we did the tour, like, you know, a year or so afterwards or whatever, I tattooed his hands. Uh, so that, that was, that was a really good highlight for my tattooing career and just getting to hang out with him is awesome. So I might even one day, you mentioned this might play a small jazz show party at his house, just with some, some, with just some friends and stuff like that. That'll be incredible. Um, but I can't say how much, how, how, awesome people they are and really good musicians they are and sometimes you know you meet really um well-known musicians and and they're not that friendly or polite and stuff and that's a really big bummer that does happen and it sucks (laughs) so i don't i don't know what else to say about that yeah man like i've i've been fortunate in in my years of all my years of doing this stuff and um even when i was writing for toledo free press i always wanted to cover the local music scene. Like I, I, I feel like the local bands, like my whole philosophy is always like at some point there's somebody that you maybe haven't heard of, or you haven't seen before and they're awesome. And just because you haven't heard them, or you haven't seen them before. It doesn't make them any less awesome than a band you hear on the radio every day. There's a lot of, there's a lot of other things as you well know, being in the music industry that go into getting that kind of exposure. And especially when it's heavy music or extreme music, it's probably not going to be on you know, mainstream radio anyway, it's going to be your diehard tribe that's into it. So I've been lucky that I've never had anybody be like a jerk to me. I mean, I've had some interviews that were not the the best, but I, I, I've been, I've been fortunate that nobody wasn't cool to me. And I've actually been really lucky that two people that I, I look up to a lot, uh, Miles Kennedy and Mark Tremonti uh, from Alter Bridge and Tremonti has his Tremonti project, which is more metal, um, and Miles has his solo stuff. I, I did phone interviews with, with them, not to name drop for you or anybody listening, but uh, yeah. those are, those are two guys that, that I looked up to and, 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 and they were incredibly nice guys when I talked to them. And I was like, so thankful. Cause like you said, I, if like they would have been jerks, I'd have been so bummed out, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, in the time we have left, man, cause I told you, I wouldn't keep you past seven 30 and you're going to a jazz gig tonight, but I do yeah. want to talk about, the, the new record determined to rot, man. I, I loved it. I love heavy, angry guitars. Like I, I, I love rhythmic riffs and, um, you know, I know you, you, you said you're not the greatest guitar player, man, but, but, um, I, I really admire your playing because I just, I love like the, the syncopated, like rhythmic, dun, 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 you know, with the yeah. drums. it's, it's, I love all that stuff. I really love smash by a slab of concrete. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not surprised that that was a a big single that you guys I think it was the first single you put out, um, and Blood Machine I really loved as well. In the beginning, you had kind of like a um, like a squealy harmonicy almost thing uh, right in the beginning of the song, which I thought was cool. But those are those are my two favorite tracks off of it. And is this the second record with Redefining Darkness Records? Um, let me count here. If it's everything that's printed, and we're just going to call anything that's on print an album because there's UPs and, and stuff like demos, whatnot. Yeah, it's, I think I think it's the third. No, wait. I think it's the fourth. Yeah, I think it's the fourth. Um, the, another funny thing is too. We're talking 
So yeah, I, I like I was saying, I'm not the best guitar player on on okay, like jazz and blues and stuff like that. When it comes to our band, oh, I feel really good at playing our band's music, and I and I don't think it's just plain old easy. It's not easy because there's little little things that you probably picked up on with picking that are hard and and things like like weird things you we're doing on the frets and stuff like that that are just like a little bit uh, of our own style, and and I like that a lot. Um, for us i mean that's why that's what gives us our own sound um sorry what else did you say i forgot how you go oh, i'm sorry no i rant i rant way too much no i was just saying i really loved uh smash by a slab of concrete yeah. Yeah. um the track right after that in and out of the grave i really love too oh. but but i really oh, yeah. love blood machine like uh, immediately that initial riff and especially like i said you threw in kind of like a little squealy in the beginning i don't know if it, if it was a pinch harmonic that, just but there it, other our other guitar player is always like doing those and, and layering that in there. So anyway, yeah, it's really cool. I, I, I think it's awesome too, that you're listening to it and that, and that you like it because, and I mean that I seriously, like it's not okay. Our type of music we play, we, I forgot to even like mention this or, 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 or describe this, but we play death metal and maybe old, like more old school sounding death metal in a way and death metal for anyone that doesn't listen to that is the extreme version of metal i mean there's a few other things that are just as extreme but it's rare but anyway it's very chaotic and heavy and and if you don't listen to metal and you don't have the ear for it it's not pleasant to hear it's like the opposite of uh anything pleasant and that's what we're going for so that's really cool i know you like metal so i already you know it's not like i'm talking to uh an older relative or an older client or something like that but i have had a lot of clients tattoo wise who have <clears throat> listened to the album some of you who have even bought it because they saw me post about it and that's awesome to me that's and that's crazy to me because these people don't listen to metal at all and like i said it's not something that's just easy to listen to it's not something that you just you don't just start with death metal if you're getting into metal you start with something that's uh more popular and, and sounds better on the ears like you like uh like metallica you know it's you you can follow it easier so it's really cool to hear uh, uh other people say that they listen to it enjoy it because i'm like oh shit you like it that's good okay cool because i think some people listen to it go what the heck is this you know what what is this you know but i know you already listen to metal so yeah just um just uh i really like i said i really love determined to rot um and and for people who don't know you also did the the cover art as well for it man and uh it's it's really cool it's it's brutal which again for people who don't who aren't familiar with death metal like you said like it's it's brutal imagery it's i mean you could you could tell i mean metal and horror have kind of gone hand in hand for forever really i mean there was all this panic panic stuff back in the 80s and stuff and whatnot and it was funny when you mentioned that with your babysitter like oh this stuff is really heavier whatever but um but the art another, is great dude well another thing too about it's gruesome and all that stuff it is it's what it's supposed to be but at the same time too i feel like it's important at least somewhat to say like all of our stuff you read the titles you might read the lyrics and stuff and you might go yikes it's not meant to be negative at all and some of our titles are just clearly ridiculous we do that on purpose we're having fun here you know it's a little, you know, we throw a little bit of jokes in there and stuff like veins kind of clog. It's an inside joke. Me and Clay have from 12 years ago at his mom's house. Um, so when we were practicing in her basement, so, you know, the, like we, we, we try to keep it 
light. We're not extremely like serious in our subject where some bands are and they take it overboard. It's almost like they're acting, but our stuff, even though it's gruesome, it still has a positive message overall. And when we talk about the things that make us, the things that bother us, whatever, you know, the things that make anyone's life like horrible and stuff like that. The things that like everyone's dealing with, um, in general stuff or specific stuff, you know, like uh, whatever you can think of. Um, we like to take that frustration and turn it into these songs. And then here's what I'm saying. And then it gets positive because we go out, we play with people, we, we, we meet people, we talk about it. Uh, sometimes on stage, you talk about how, what our stuff's written about. And like I said, it's not evil. It's not negative. It's not anything like that. It's just the frustration put into a good positive way of metal to to carry on and keep going you know um that's what our message is all about and kind of directly you know what correlates with your with your podcast um so i think that's really important to touch on and and because uh, you know you can look at it and go the other way let's say you don't listen to mail you look at the stuff and read you go oh jesus oh my gosh this is some bad stuff no no yeah, a lot of people don't understand. I've always said, and you articulate it in a way that I've always said to people, which is that for me, heavy music has always been a positive release of negative emotion. When my parents mm-hmm. were getting divorced, uh, when mm-hmm. I was, you know, uh, 11 years old, you know, and that was at like the height of new metal in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, like corn mm-hmm. corn was, I, they are still one of my favorite bands, but that Untouchables record in particular which came out in 2002, like got me through freshman year of high school. And I think sometimes people metal's an easy target, especially death metal. Cause like you said, people look at the imagery and they go, Oh my God, somebody's bleeding. There's, there's gruesomeness. And it's like, they don't understand that it's, 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 it's just like, like any form of escapism or going to a movie or watching a horror movie. Like most people that watch horror movies aren't slashing people up or serial killers. It's just, it's a form of, it's a form of just release. And so that's what heavy music has always been to me. So when you said it like that, man, like I, I agree wholeheartedly, like I, and I enjoy the detail and the imagery. Like to me, when I look at artwork and album artwork, it's like, it's another version of like comics from when you were a kid. And, and especially as somebody who appreciates drawing and artwork, like that's, that's something I, that I miss with CDs going away is, um, which I'm glad that vinyl is huge now. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, you pull out the pamphlet and read the lyrics and look through the artwork and stuff. So, um, so yeah, just to put a button on this bad boy, man, because uh, I don't want to chew your ear off too much longer. And I really appreciate your time, Pat. I want everybody yeah. to check out Determined to Rot, especially if you love death metal. And, I, and again, I'm not just saying it from front to back. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed the riffs. Uh, guitar is usually, and that's not to yeah. be dismissive of the whole band, but guitar is just something that I notice first because it's my favorite instrument. But um, uh, it sounds really well produced and uh, the artwork is really sick, man. And for people who, who aren't aware um, there's, there's pictures on Mutilatred's Instagram uh, of Pat, kind of like a progress of the art, which I think is really cool. Kind of from start to oh, finish. Yep. Yep. And, and also thanks for having me on here and uh, we can do this again if you want. I mean, whenever, if, if, you know, if you could fit it in here, cause I could talk for a long time about stuff, especially the band and all that stuff. Uh, and, um, and tonight, uh, I, I eventually I got to get to this show because I play at it, and like that's another thing too. I'm just like drawing and whatnot, and, and playing with, with metal bands like Black Tie Up at this show. It's a jazz show, and I'm watching the. I, I'm friends with the organ player and all the guys, 
and I'm really watching how he plays and he's showing me a lot of good stuff. My teacher goes, we all hang out and we, my music teacher and we, um, we jam together at, at the end of it. And, and it's great. It's how I've learned a ton on music. So that's, that's where I'm racing right after this. And if you're ever in town, you should come to these shows with me sometime. Yeah, man. The next time I'm in Toledo, I, I got to hit you up. And um, yeah. for people who aren't aware, and I know you got to run and I'll put the links in the podcast description, man, but uh, let people know where they can find you Lake Erie studio and, and mutilation where they can find you. Oh, um, well, all the social media stuff you can find me mainly on Instagram. Uh, just type in my name, Patrick, Patrick Madonna or Lake Erie studio. I have that as my name on there too. So to pop up, uh, that's our art and tattoo studio. Um, and then for mutilatred, the same deal, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, just type in at mutilatred. Um, you'll find us, uh, this summer, it's not a crazy summer. We, we, we've had busier summers, but this one's still good. We have a, a fest in uh, New York City and Brooklyn at St. Vitus again. That'll be really fun. That's a July 12th. We're going to try to play some shows out there somewhere in Pennsylvania. Um, I do really want to go down south again and make it to Nashville and play there. I think we have not played in Nashville. We played all around it, uh, but never there. So hopefully we'll play there soon. We have a show this Sunday in uh, Toledo with Creeping Death. We just get to play Toledo every so often. Uh, so that'll be fun. If you're from Toledo, check that out. And um, that's it. Yep. Well, Pat, I appreciate it, man. I don't want to make you late to your jazz gig, but uh, oh, you're fine. I no, do want to say uh, thank you again so much, dude. It's great to catch up with you. And, and from a distance, like, uh, you know, going to high school and stuff, I always thought you were a good dude. Um, yeah, you're, like you're always funny. And uh, I feel like you're, you're one of those people who, you were accepting of other people. And like I said, high school was uh that's a whole different yeah. conversation, but I just felt, I felt kind of misunderstood there. Cause I was like, I loved metal, but I like wore basketball jerseys and stuff to school. Cause I love basketball. There's a picture of Michael Jordan behind me. Like it, it, it was just a very judgmental time. And it, so it was cool to yeah. meet people who aren't judgmental and were cooler and down to earth. And so I always appreciated that about you, man. But yeah, dude, I appreciate it again. I hope I didn't talk too much. I appreciate you giving me more than an hour of your time, dude. And uh, yeah, you're welcome back anytime and let's stay in touch, brother. I'm really, really excited for everything that you're doing. And I just think it's cool that you've uh, you've pursued your creative pursuits and that you've had all these awesome experiences and got more to come, man. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk more about specific stuff for the band touring, drawing, whatever uh, start, dude, start practicing that guitar. Seriously. Uh, get on YouTube, man, get on YouTube and look up the C major scale and learn, go from there. Or C pentatonic scale go from there. I will. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. C major, C pentatonic for sure. Yeah. And C minor. That'll get you, that'll get you around pretty good. Sweet, man. Well, thank you again, Pat. Have fun tonight, brother. And uh, let's keep in touch, man. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Likewise. And I'll talk to you soon. There you have it. That was my conversation with Pat McDonough of Mutilatred and Lake Erie Studio. Make sure you go follow Mutilatred on Instagram at Mutilatred. Follow Pat at Patrick McDonough and follow Lake Erie Studio at Lake Erie Studio. The website for Mutilatred is mutilatred.bandcamp.com. They still have vinyls left of Determined to Rot, which just came out on May 13th. So make sure you head over there. The artwork is sick. Pat did the cover art. 
And I believe if you purchase something from Bandcamp, the proceeds go directly to the artist. I don't think anybody else gets a cut. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's how Bandcamp works. Nonetheless, Determined to Rot just came out May 13th. It's an awesome listen front to back if you love heavy music and death metal. And like I said, they still have some vinyls left from Determined to Rot. So go check those guys out. And if you want to see them live this summer, they've got some dates coming up. So again, just scroll to the bottom of the episode description for this episode and all of the links will be there for all of Pat's stuff, Lake Erie Studio stuff, and Mutilatred stuff. And I just want to say to Pat directly, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to come on the podcast and do the show. It was great getting a chance to catch up with you. And like I said, dude, genuinely from a distance, I just think it's really cool to see that you've made a living out of the things that you love in terms of your art as a tattoo artist and as a musician in Mutilatred. It's just really inspiring to me, man, to uh, continue to pursue the things that I love. And I hope it's inspiring for all the listeners of this show to continue to pursue the things that they love or pick something up that they put down. As you guys heard Pat say in the episode, you know, it's never too late to, to pick something up. And I think a lot of us forget that sometimes, you know, especially in the times that we're in now with inflation and there's so many stresses and outside pressures in the world and we can get lost in our day-to-day and forget about the things that really make us feel alive, you know. So I hope that this conversation was inspirational for anybody out there who is struggling or even if you're doing well, you know, just to keep being a positive light in your community the way that Pat is in Toledo, man, for, you know, people getting tattoos, for people who are fans of heavy music. Um, I've seen some clips on YouTube from uh, a live show that they had at the Ottawa Tavern. I think it was last year, and they just had a show at Ottawa Tavern um, as of recording this, as you guys heard. So I think it's really cool what Zach Jacobs and his wife are doing over there as far as uh, really making that a cool local music venue and a great, just a great hang on Adams Street in Toledo. So if you ever go through Toledo, make sure you check out the OT, man. But, uh, but yeah, just positive vibes all the way around, you know, and that conversation was cool because we, we touched on a lot of different uh, aspects of Pat's life. You know, I didn't know how he got into heavy music and drawing and all of that. And um, even though it was incredibly tra- uh, tragic rather to hear about the untimely passing of Trevor Sternad, which literally happened, um, I think about two weeks before Pat and I recorded this episode at the end of May, Trevor was obviously in, in the Black Dahlia murder. Um, as, as tragic as that was, and as much as that rocked the, the metal and heavy music community, uh, I never got to meet him personally, but like I said on the show, I did get to see those guys play at the Jamboree Festival in Toledo, and they were amazing. And from interviews that I have seen of Trevor, he was always just a very funny, affable guy. It's, it's horrible what happened. But having said all that, um, I'm glad that Pat and the guys in Mutilatred got a chance to know the dudes in the Black Dahlia murder and got a chance to you know, do shows with them. And the fact that Trevor was a fan of them, I just think it's, uh, it's, it just goes to show you when you pursue what you love, you, you will create good memories, you know, and, um, as much as it sucks that Trevor's not here anymore, I'm glad that Pat and the guys in Mutilatred got a chance to get to know him, you know, and, and for all of you listening to this, if you're fans of Mutilatred, I'm, I'm sure you've listened to the Black Dahlia murder, or maybe are a fan of the Black Dahlia murder. And, um, I just think it's, uh, you know, it's it's tough right now, but but hopefully conversations like this continue to keep Trevor's memory alive too, man. And uh, again, I'm glad that those guys got to, to have those experiences with them and those shows with them. But uh, but yeah, Pat's always just been a kind human. He's always been good to me. 
uh, like I touched on, and I don't want to get into it too much here because it was a long time ago, and I don't want to be one of these people that whines about high school because, honestly, there's a, a lot of people that have a lot worse than I did in high school. Uh, high school wasn't awful, but it also wasn't great. It's definitely four years of my life that I would never want to repeat. You know, um, those questions that you have that, you know, those – you know, hey, if you were on an island, what three albums would you want? Or what what do you want your last meal to be? Or if you could go forward or back in time, I can promise you I, I never want to go back to the ages of 14 to 18. Um, and again, my, my experience at, uh, at Central Catholic, it wasn't entirely negative. I got a great education there. It definitely prepped me for the kind of uh, work that I needed to do when I got to the University of Toledo and succeed and get my degree, my bachelor's degree like I did definitely prepared me for that and I've met friends um, in high school that I that I am still very close with to this day and probably will be for the rest of my life man so like I said it wasn't a, a, a an, uh, it wasn't an entirely negative experience and obviously I've met Pat who's a great guy but it was tough for me there because as those of you who listen to this podcast know I have a lot of different interests man to this day I st- still still love basketball um, I I have taken it easy on purchasing shoes, but I used to draw shoes back in high school and uh, draw cars and stuff. And um, and I used to get made fun of for that by certain people for like drawing shoes and whatnot and, um, you know, wearing basketball jerseys to school on jeans days and stuff. Um, You know, I I just was dressing like the, the people that I looked up to in the NBA, man. And, you know, basketball, like heavy music, is one of one of the great loves of my life, man. You know, at that same time, I was still listening to the, I still listen to the same artists today that I listened to back then. I mentioned Corn and the Untouchables record, which just, you know, turns 20 years old this summer in 2022, which is insane. That record came out the summer between eighth grade and freshman year of high school and really got me through my freshman year of high school. And when I say got me through, I don't mean, um, like things were so dire that I was ready to check out or anything like that. I just mean in terms of, at that point when I was starting high school, I was three years post my parents getting divorced and going from a smaller fishbowl with middle school where I was really close with everybody and we had a good class and and um, I got along really well there even though junior high was tough academically for me, especially coming from public school at that time and then going to, to a Catholic middle school. I had really good friends and was really well respected. And then I went into a much larger uh, pond, if you will, when I went into high school and everybody kind of has their cliques. And, um, you know, my high school was very much a microcosm of Toledo where it's a it's a big enough uh, – Toledo's a big enough city where you don't know everybody personally but small enough that you, you have like six degrees of separation with people or have heard of people. And that's kind of what my high school experience was like, right? So – you know, big enough that you didn't know everybody in your class personally, but small enough that you kind of heard people or, you know, and obviously kids gossip, people, adults gossip. It's ridiculous. But so I just felt like there, you know, and not even what I felt, there were people who did judge me and did make fun of me. And, um, and I, and I know a lot of people go through that. And, uh, Pat was never like that though. The classes that I had with him, he was, like I said, was always funny, soft-spoken, down to earth. And, um, you know, uh, I remember just interactions with him always being positive and he was never judgmental or, uh, you know, trying to put me in a box. And so 
over the years, you know, even though we weren't like super tight or anything like that, like I, I, you remember the people that are good to you, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and again, I'm, you know, my high school experience, it wasn't awful. Um, there's, there's a lot of people who go through, uh, certain levels of, of teasing or, or bullying or things like that. But, um, um, it was nice as an adult to get away from that bubble and to go out into the world and, you know, meet other people like Pat, you know, people who just take you at face value and they don't judge you for who you are. And, and like I said, I, I think it's funny, um, how judgmental kids are because literally all the stuff that I was into at that time, you know, whether it was rocking basketball jerseys on jeans days or listening to Metallica and corn and, you know, new metal and, um, 90s grunge and alternative and stuff literally as a, a you know drawing shoes as a 34 year old man I'm still into all of that stuff so um suffice to say that um I've just always had a lot of respect for Pat you know he's a good dude and I'm I'm really just excited for for Mutilatred and their new record Determined to Rot again make sure you go check that out and uh if you want to get some ink done and you're in the northwest Ohio area or maybe you're passing through um, they've got a lot of talent there, man, Pat included. So at Lake Erie studio on Instagram to check out their handiwork. And Pat posts a lot of stuff on his, his Instagram as well. Excuse me at Patrick McDonough. So yeah, long way of saying that, uh, I got a ton of respect for the dude. I'm so happy he came on the podcast and, um, I just hope it continues to go, to go well for Lake Erie studio and for, for Mutilatred, man. So make sure you go support them. And again, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at March 4th pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike V Bauman. And the host site is March 4th.podbean.com. If you did enjoy this episode, again, I'm not saying it cause I'm trying to be like famous and all that crap. Um, although I wouldn't be, you know, disappointed at all if the podcast blows podcast blows up and does well. But, uh, if you would be so kind and you enjoyed the episode, Share it on social media, tell a friend to tell a friend, like and subscribe, take the time to go to either Spotify or Apple, and and my podcast is available on other platforms like the aforementioned Podbean, the host site, iHeart, Amazon. Um, I usually find that people use Spotify or Apple the most, and I know that you can leave ratings on both of those. So when you do that, if you would be so kind to take the time to do that, if you enjoyed the episode, it helps it rank higher and get the conversation out in front of more people, and then more people know about the cool work that Pat's doing and the awesome music that Mutilatred is making. So on that note, I'm going to wrap things up by saying keep the faith and be kind to one another. Courtesy of Pat, off of Determined to Rot, here is the track, All the Way Dead. Peace. (laughs) 